Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you're wondering why this evening is different than most Wednesday evenings, the church has appointed during this cheese fair week uh, that we basically on Wednesday and Friday, which are the traditional uh, fasting days, from very early in the church, there's evidence even in the second century from the Didache that we fast on Wednesdays and Fridays uh, for the betrayal of our Lord and for his crucifixion. Uh, that on the week before the beginning of Lent, kind of like I, as I've been saying for weeks now, there's a preparation for Lent and there's a preparation for Lent. This is one of these preparations for Lent where the, today on Wednesday is liturgical uh, day of Lent. So the services are done in Lenten fashion. Uh, so we had purple out and had purple on. Uh, and then there is a shift, but still, even with Vespers, there's still little remnants of the Lenten season. So we get the prayer of St. Ephraim starts today. This is the first time uh, as we enter into the Lenten season where the prayer of St. Ephraim is reintroduced liturgically. And it is uh, part of the reason why we have little bumps and things inquired, just like I spent 30 minutes earlier just going over the service itself because all these little changes, you don't realize you're in those ruts like Wednesday, Vespers, you know exactly what you're doing, you don't have to think about it, but then when you think about it, then you double-guess yourself and triple-guess yourself and quadruple-guess yourself. So it is a glorious thing to be able to have the church form us, to be able to shape our expectations in all these little ways. And it's especially the Old Testament reading as we have, if, we're, if we did regularly went to Vespers, or we did uh, some of the hours, we have particular Old Testament readings that are appointed to be read. And we have from the prophet Joel a particular vision of prophecy about the Lord coming and reigning out of Zion, out of Jerusalem. And it is Lord sitting in judgment. Uh, but it is a judgment against those who have sinned, but it is also at the same time when you have this image of judgment, you have, it is an image of uh, a haven, of salvation, of Jerusalem being redeemed. You have the apocalyptic language of the sun and the stars, everything is darkened, right? This is like throughout all the prophets. But then you have at the same time messianic language, which is you know, milk is flowing. The streams, the dry riverbeds, they're now flowing with water. You have all of these new creation themes uh, bubbling up uh, as this interesting juxtaposition or bringing together of God enthroned in glory and judgment, but it's also renewal. And it's sometimes hard for us, I think, to think God sitting in judgment, especially this past Sunday, which was the last judgment of Christ, uh, for whatever reason, in our minds and in kind of Christian circles, there is an aspect, maybe an overemphasis of fear and trembling. Scriptures talk about uh, the reality of who we will stand before, and not only who we will stand before, but who we do stand before as the Lord, God himself. And he has been enthroned, as we sing on Saturday nights, right? He is robed, he is enthroned, he has taken on human flesh, he has returned back to the right hand of God the Father, and he reigns in glory from Zion out of Jerusalem. His law, his, 
the flowing healing waters, the milk and honey of all of new creation of even restored flows from his judgment seat. This is just like the book of Revelation. And it is good for us to contemplate this judgment. We have also, by God's providence, we have a great preacher of repentance that we remember tonight, which is uh, John the Baptist, and particularly not just the life and ministry of John the Baptist, which is reflected through the hymnody, but the finding again for the first time, and the second time, uh, the head of John the Baptist. Because early in Christian uh, life, and early in the church, you see this even remnants in the Old Testament, there was uh, veneration for and devotion to those who have passed, the holy ones of God, and specifically, of course, John the Baptist. Because as our humanity tells, right, what came forth from the head of John the Baptist? A word of salvation, of preaching, but of judgment. That repent for the kingdom of God is near. Specifically mentioning Herod and who he had to stand before. And that we venerate uh, having his head. Uh, that there is veneration for him. That there is uh, healing that is found even in the presence of the Holy One's body in their bones. Are we surprised by this when we read the Old Testament where there's all sorts of healing that happens just by the, the touching or the shadow of one of the apostles going over someone or something associated with them that touches someone that heals them, right? Or even the woman with the issue of blood who just touches the hem of Jesus' garment and she's healed. This is how God renews creation. It is always the way God has operated because of our own sinfulness, our own falling away, a forgetting who sits upon the throne, that he issues a word of judgment. But judgment is also a freedom for us, because it allows us, it gives us the ability to recognize there is within me a darkness. St. Macarius the Great talks about how within all of us in our hearts there is evil and there is good. And when we hear a word of judgment, and judgment, I don't mean this in like, you know, middle school playground sense of judgment. Like, he judged me. They're talking about being able to be truly seen for who we are and what we've done and being able to be given a chance to repent, to turn from it, to submit ourselves to the one who didn't just issue a word, right, from afar, but came and suffered, wept, bled, and death, died for us, entering down into the depths of hell itself, and Hades releasing all of those captive there. This is the one who sits upon the throne. This is whom Joel sees seated upon the throne. This is whom John the Baptist prepared the way for. And this is as we enter into this time of penitence, of repentance, of the school of repentance, as some of the fathers talk about Lent, that we do this uh, remembering the saving word, the saving message, the judgment that comes from the righteous judge, the good judge, as we throughout the liturgy and throughout our services say, the one who loves mankind, who is going to free us from our shackles. This is who sits upon the judgment seat. This is who we gather before. This is the one who will set us free. If we would but turn to him, ask for forgiveness, 
and begin in whatever small ways and large ways, uh, ways that we've never thought about that we need to submit ourselves in faith and hope and love towards him that he will bring anew into our life that water and those dry beds that he will provide milk, that he'll provide honey, because this is the good God who loves mankind, who died for us, who buried for us, and as we will see in just a few weeks, is risen for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.